welcome to the Authentic Action Podcast, brought to you by Gal Media, Fun Fast Productions, and the Authentic Action School Online. I'm your host, Angel. My intention with the Authentic Action Podcast is to explore diverse perspectives of what it means to live a good life and to inspire, educate, and motivate you to design and live a life that you love. I will be interviewing and conversing with outstanding creators, artists, activists, authors, teachers, seekers, and speakers who are deliberately designing and living lives they love. We're going to dive deeper into what is holding people back from achieving the lives of their dreams and what their greatest dreams are for the future. I hope the show will inspire you to consider your own mission and dreams, help you find and voice your own beliefs and boundaries, and perhaps take at least one small step toward realizing your own dreams for our best future today. So let's grab our favorite beverages, get comfy, and dive right into it. My guest on today's episode of the Authentic Action Podcast is an activist, artist, event planner, and an active member of the kink, queer, goth, and burn communities with a special passion for creating safe environments and events for people to explore themselves and each other. This beautifully articulate human is a strong consent culture advocate and spokesperson, a relationship anarchist and educator, an activist, an active visual and performance artist, and a regular all-round good person. I was especially delighted to learn that we share a vision for building safe spaces to develop more inclusive and compassionate communities, and for helping people find ways to do the work to heal themselves and build healthier relationships in all aspects. In this conversation, they share some interesting views on the evolving responsibilities of good citizenship, how people can get to know each other better in safe spaces, and how societal perceptions are shifting toward more inclusion and accepted curiosity. We also talked about their vision for a more artist-friendly future. I'm pleased to introduce you to the multi-talented four-person of Cabaret Audacity and the founder of Audacious Productions, the marvelous Julian Adams-Wolf. Well, welcome, and thank you very much for meeting me. It's taken us a little while to get together, so I'm happy to finally be face-to-face virtually. That's cool. And... um. Yeah, I'm looking forward to just learning more about you. So you mentioned burlesque. I've met you through our mutual artistic performance friends. So I know a little that you're involved in in some neat performing art stuff. If you want to start there or elsewhere, tell me a little about where you're at these days. Yeah, um, Felicia Davis, also known as Miss Behaven, um, is my neighbor now. And we were already working together occasionally and had already done some artistic collaboration. Um, she's a incredibly dynamic photo director and visual artist, and we collaborated, well, she collaborated with one of her photographers to do an Alice in Wonderland shoot with me now a year and a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've done shows together on and off, but we, being in close proximity, we have picked an act that we're working on together. And I was really excited to go support her and some of our other friends last night at a show where Felicia premiered her kick line. And by that, I mean literally six masculine folks in top hats and and um, vests dancing um, with her singing. And it was really neat to get to consult with that, but really to see it actualized. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads in um, to performance and kind of burlesque wise to my 
thing I'm most excited about, which is bringing some more, you know, vaudeville sort of flavor to Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. That's the thing I've done on and off throughout the years. But the Vlaudville Review, and that's spelled V-L-A-D, like Vlad the Impaler, it's absolutely a reference. Okay. Like goth, gothy, like spookiness, um, is going to be on the 29th. And they'll perform again. And also some other artists and folks you might want to get in on um, with this podcast are going to be there, like Scarletta, who's an incredibly dynamic visual artist and circus performer and cabaret performer and burlesque performers headlining. Neat. So I'm really excited, and um, and it's the tagline for it is entertainment for the living. Uh huh. And this is our second one, and it'll hopefully be quarterly. And it's kind of at a small venue, but the thing about intimate audiences and getting to try new things is you get more interesting stuff from your performers. Yeah. Where is it? Oh, Thirsty Eye Brewing Company in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh. It's an independently owned um, brewery that also brews tea and coffee, not just beer. And kombucha, which I think is really important because the, and I know we're supposed to be talking about me, but it feels weird talking so much about myself. <laughs> uh, one of the biggest things of my adult life, and I'm going on 40 um, this spring is, or 87, depending on who you ask, is <laughs> um, trying to create safe spaces for people to actually be able to explore who they are. So mm -hmm. we're starting a goth night there. And I love that um, goth night, which is going to be Thursday the 20th third of this month is the first one is going to have options that's coffee because coffee is amazing but also not everybody drinks alcohol so it's going to be a neat conversational environment as opposed to like a dance and booze based environment yeah and be all about the music and Loza is going to be I believe painting a live canvas um at at the at um, Shadow Night at Thirsty Eye Brewing Company. Very cool. Yeah, Very cool. and I really like to, you know, create places where I can show off like artists who mm -hmm. are incredible and maybe not getting as much attention as they otherwise should be getting. And Thea Thea's got a lot of really great gigs, but I just really wanted a dark, kind of shadowy artist for that first Goth Night. And mm -hmm. we're also probably going to premiere her series of watercolors that she did um, based on historical um, Spanish Inquisition. Well, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it's New Mexico. Like that, some of those veins run pretty deep here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, those are the two biggest projects that are at Thirsty Eye. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. That makes me want to ask, how long have you been in New Mexico? Are you a, a native New Mexican or are you imported? Um, some of my folks are native, but I actually did get imported. I moved um, I moved to Albuquerque from Las Cruces. Mm -hmm. um, and Las Cruces is in southern New Mexico for, you know, your folks that aren't from here. Um, right. And that's where, I, that's where I graduated from high school. And I kind of came from in the middle of nowhere, like small town, um, mm -hmm. and then picked Las Cruces as the big fancy city. Just right. to give you an idea. Yeah. Um, and absolutely still love Las Cruces. Haven't been there in a little bit, but I've been in Albuquerque since 98, 1998, with the exception of a year that I spent in grants and then a year that I was commuting between here and a contract I had in Texas. And that was a commute. Wow. Yeah. Let me tell you that. But I was still doing one or two shows a month here in Albuquerque, mm -hmm. um, producing um, or um, and then one or two performing. 
So I was still coming out here frequently um, to make those things happen. Cool. Yeah. So uh, you told you mentioned a couple things that are coming up that you're into. Tell me what you're like. Where's what's your heart into through through the things you're doing these days? Oh, and it's been such an introspective time. Um, kind of all paths lead to this. The the things with um, with Thirsty, I'm excited about for the reasons I mentioned. But there's also um, the burner community is kind of getting amped up for the New Mexico event called Sunburn. Our first meeting is actually the same day as Gothic Winter Ball. Um, I'm the reigning king and I'll be stepping down. I love how silly it is, how like special this like basically prom appointment made me yeah. feel. But um, it's just, you know, we're adults, we get to create our own fun. But the one of the things I do with the burner community, particularly as a out, not just out, but really loud, um, genderqueer person, pagan person, disabled person, um, pale person, because let's not forget this is an outside event. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so, you know, I, I, it's, it's easy for me to say we need to talk about what we're going to do for sunstroke when everybody's worried I'm going to get sunstroke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is is I, I kind of get loud and obnoxious during the planning so that way we don't have any problems there. If that makes sense? Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure what my role will be this year, but I'm really, really hoping to, to be able to do some variety stuff. And believe it or not, um, I like to do at events like that, multi-generational stuff, also at pagan events. So I haven't exactly directly answered the question, but the thing I'm most excited about right now and something that I haven't felt I've really been able to do for a long time is really commit to the stuff I'm passionate about, which is creating safe and interesting um, environments and experiences for folks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being out and loud so that people who might have questions know when and where to ask me so that I don't have to be bugged when I need alone time. Um, and being able to do art, and that includes consulting for a kick line from a song that's from a musical that was cut from Broadway because it was too sexy. It was too much of a showstopper. They had to cut the song that, that Misbehaven did last night from Jekyll and Hyde. Like <laughs> getting to consult for that is, is really fun and interesting just as much as like this musical project I'm working on with Edification, where I'm going to be doing some live kind of improvised poetry with some original guitar music that he's been working on as part of the vaudeville review to kind of give it that variety i'm just really looking forward to somewhat graphic analogy but goth kid here like elder goth rising they say really be able to like cut into my artistic veins and actually mm -hmm. kind of like let that flow happen yeah and I yeah, and I feel like, I mean, and you're a good example of this, getting to meet people like you, getting to be in a neighborhood of a lot of artists and dancers and performers. Um, I feel like that's not scary right now because, you know, people are, I'm going to get more water. I'm going to get more vitamins. I'm not going to yeah. run out. Right. And that's been the most incredible part, I think, about coming to this super old part of Albuquerque and having my own space and being able to devote more time to getting my stuff together, which has led to me having the energy to do more projects. Cool. Yeah, I guess that that makes me wonder is do you think that's uh, 
just like a here and now things coming together that bring you that sense of uh, freedom or safety that maybe you didn't have or have you always had it or or is that uh, yeah really it's new yeah it's it's kind of a struggle uh, my my partner Melanie um, and I'm a relationship anarchist um, and we've been together it'll be 17 years this year was saying how when other people as, as an example, we had one person that we both knew in our lives that a lot of folks knew, and that person was kind of catalyst. And Melanie explains that some people just said, oh, well, I saw this person do atrocious things, um, but I'm still their friend because they're fun, versus yes. Julian, who saw this person do atrocious things and said, nobody should have this happen to them, and then I went and started TNG. And it sounds weird when I'm saying it that way, and I'm quoting Melanie, because I always worry about sounding boastful, um, but because <laughs> the perception when you've had things like titles and crowns and stuff is even when you're more, lots of times I'm a more quiet person. I have recently been told that talking about things that I've done in my life um, sounds like I'm trying to intimidate folks. So that's something I'm working on right now. So I apologize for apologizing. Well, I'm here asking. So, you know, I want to yeah. know, I want to know about you and, and what you've done and, and what you're into. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So in, in, in about 99 to about 2001, I was in a incredibly unhealthy relationship with somebody um, that started really, really sexily. Um, I got picked up at a bar, you know, like you do. And um, at 19, <laughs> As one does, yes. Yeah, as one, as, as one does. And um, uh, it was somebody who was part of the kink community. And um, she taught me a lot that I was glad to learn. But she also taught me kind of some things not to do and how not to be. And I realized there needed to be a group for folks that were like 19, 20, 21 to explore things like kink and ethical non-monogamy around folks that weren't their parents' age. Because keep in mind, back in 98, 99, we had message boards mostly, like Yahoo was just getting like really going. So there, there wasn't a lot of young folks that were coming out because that information wasn't as available as it is now. And there was a national movement called TNG, um, The Next Generation. And one of our friends from Boston had heard of it. And I started that group in 2002 with him and then he moved. And I ran the board for seven years because it's an age limited group. And so I stepped down when I was 30, but the age cutoff was 35, just because I never wanted to be that guy. Um, that person that looks like they're being predatory, even if they're not, mm -hmm. you know? So, and that I'm happy to say that that group is still going um, and their focus is community education. And then of course they also do things like play parties because again, safe, healthy, consensual, consent-based place. Mm -hmm. um, and TNG wasn't the first community thing I did, but it led to me working with the New Mexico Leather League, which I worked with for a while and am no longer associated with, um, a couple of other groups in town. And then I was on the board of the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom for eight years. And that was an elected position and I, I chose not to run again. Um, but that was really an interesting opportunity to get really deep in consent culture and kind of the law side and the worry side and the not fun stories side mm -hmm. and really get a more of a comprehensive understanding of what we mean when we say things like consent culture because consent culture and on my card it says consent culture advocate mm -hmm. um, 
it's not about adults hooking up. It's about not making assumptions about people based on their genitals. It's about children not being told which box they should play in, um, but be allowed to find what fits for them best. It's about, you know, adults like elderly folks being able to still explore their things without shame and and about people being able to have their boundaries. And then all of the other sexy stuff is really important and I love it. But there used to be a joke back when I was a pride title holder, um, part of the GLBTQ community, Albuquerque Pride, was that um, I, it's not true, but the joke was that I have a fetish for meetings and negotiation. I don't necessarily get around to playing, but the meetings and the negotiation, I seem to always be able to make time for. Hmm. I'm a lot more fun these days. Like I said, I do go to Burns. You've seen me relax. Yeah. We've only got like twice, you've seen me relax. It's a new, <laughs> it's a new wonderful thing. Um, but that whole focus on I realized in my 30s, in my earlier 30s, I can't save everybody. And so my mission is not nobody will ever get hurt again. Because that's some toxic crap. Yeah. When people, I, I will fit. No, no, you won't. That's kind of toxic. So like my kind of new motto is I'm going to create the safest environments that I can for people to learn and grow and explore. And I finally internalized that includes me. And yeah, finally internalized that. So I've been having some more fun and creating events that I definitely want to go to, but also, you know, want to create that aren't, they're, they're, they're not just for you. They're not just for me. And I'm trying to, you know, more neat spaces for people to be able to talk and not have to, you know, drink or pay money um, yeah. to be able to participate. I love it. I love it. I'm in the, I'm getting the same kind of ideas from the universe. So I love that that's uh, what, what your overarching idea is. Cause I, I agree. I think there's so much toxicity comes out of people not feeling like they have safe space to explore and to express and to, and to get, you know, get and to know like they have to other themselves to be, to be safe. And that's something we can work on every day and do a lot to resolve. And I have seen so much growth, like being in the kink community, the queer community and the goth community of one town mm -hmm. for 20 years. Oh my goodness. For t 21 years, <laughs> um, depending on, depending on it, because I came out of one closet at 19 and the other one I think was more like 20, um, has been really interesting because I have been the kid that like goes to goth night every single Thursday or for a few years years there was at every leather kink event in town and so while I'm not as I still go dancing every time there's a goth night every time I can but as someone who's not as entrenched as I used to be still the amount of growth is ridiculous and the the tools that people have to explore and find out that they don't like something and then not feel bad that they don't like it mm -hmm. is just leaps and bounds where it was 10 years ago and certainly 15 years ago and certainly 20 years ago when I was the youngest person in the scene by 10 years. And now it's so versatile because people can say, oh, I think I'm this and I'll have to wait till their first divorce to feel right. good about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that's been, that's been really neat. And the internet is of course huge about that. There's just so few of us that were, that were really out and that are still active at that very beginning of when the internet and social media kind of just plowed into queer culture, queer subculture, and also kink subculture and made it 
cool mm-hmm. and easily accessible. And some of that has been awesome and it's led to a lot of problems, but I'm very much like I was, I should say, um, I really appreciate you checking in with me, doing a little negotiation about what we could talk about beforehand. I love being able, like, like that sort of thing is important, like being able to do that, like quick negotiation, being able to um, have that understanding. And a lot of people think some stuff should be like sacred knowledge and like secret. And the internet doesn't really give that as an option anymore. Right. So some of the main, honestly, theater and entertainment has changed. I mean, we're doing this on our computers because it made the most sense for this media as opposed to meeting again in a coffee shop or something. All of this has been such a huge change and such a huge shift. And the thing I like the most about it is I know that you're kind of on a similar page. The more I'm kind of listening to the universe, like um, the podcast you did with Felicia, Mm -hmm. um, she explains this idea she had about a community thing. We hadn't talked about that. I have similar ideas. Yeah. Yeah, we can find folks that that are feeling that same vibe and wanting to learn more and wanting to grow. And I think it's a completely different way to have like that pulse. Like so many of us are longing to get to that place where the things that we're able to create or the conversations that we're able to have or the way that we can like, the way people feel when they're around us is more important than, so how old are you? So um, how much do you make? What do you do for work? you know, how, you know, why, why aren't you wearing a dress? Wouldn't you be pretty if I would just like none of those questions to be super important. And of course that you'd be pretty if, um, is part of consent culture and the whole, not trying to force people to look one way or the other to fit in. Yeah. See what happens when you get me talking. It's good. It's good. I, my brain is, is swimming with ideas and I agrees. And, uh, yeah, I think it's beautiful how, like, it's interesting to me that it's, you mentioned that, um, goth culture and just, I I'm interested in how, what used to be the outcast group is now almost seemingly more the in group, which in a weird way, like, like any in group, gives the temptation to Paul. I was just talking about this today, how we, how we are navigating between polishing our edges and being our unique, you know, beautiful, unique, sometimes rough and raw selves. Um, and, and to get along, you know, the more we want inclusion, which is a word that comes to mind when a lot of us are talking about, uh, our ideas of the future, like how to bring, you mentioned different ages, just to, I just think the more we play together, the more we learn to, you know, love and appreciate all our differences. And at the same time, it, it does require a little bit of buffering those rough edges in a way, you know, like there's an interesting balance going on. I, I just, I love watching it unfold. There's no like, yeah, like, the, the biggest phenomenon is even back in the 80s and 90s, like I was not, it was not cool how much I liked comic book characters. And and we had all grown up watching Saturday morning cartoons, but it wasn't necessarily cool how much I still liked X-Men. And then mm-hmm. all of a 
movies started coming out and now, you know, the Marvel movies are the biggest, you know, cinema ever. And that is just part of the culture now. It's not even a subculture to know who Iron Man is. It's not a subculture to be able to tell the difference between like, oh, I don't need to prove how like nerdy I am, but like the different areas of Batman or the different that like, it's just normal things that people talk about. And that's that's the easiest example of kind of watching things kind of shift. Like the bullies these days are sometimes the ones that are making fun of people for not using the right words on the internet, which is classist. Um, they're the ones that are making the decisions like to sponsor this or that because they their nerdiness from high school is now you know paying off the big bills, and it's it's really it really is interesting because even in like rom coms and stuff you're seeing more of the nerdy characters you know winning which was not ever the story before and i think it's because those kids were sick of it and then when it comes to like folks like goths and whatnot there's a whole new dark wave movement that i didn't even comprehend until really recently of um like for example um she wants revenge is a really popular band i do not know them personally but they are dark wave which is a sub genre of goth and their song, um, one of their songs, was one of the main pieces that introduced the vampire characters on American Horror Story, the television show. That's like the peak of pop culture right now. Mm -hmm. So, the, yeah, so the fact that a lot more people are kind of also peeking in the shadows and wanting to hear like darker stories and wanting to hear like beats that don't necessarily make them feel like this, that are more motivating and like speaks more to like. There's, I'm not judging pop music, but there's something to be said for the fact that like dark waves making a, a resurgence that, mm -hmm. you know, the, as a band called She Wants Revenge, you know, is getting featured on this huge FX show with an Oscar award winner. I don't actually know if Lady Gaga won an Oscar. I should say nominee. I don't know if Lady Gaga I don't know won. either. I wasn't, I wasn't. I wasn't paying close attention. That was last week, wasn't it? it oh, goodness. No, that would have I mean, oh, this has been wow, three oh. years ago now. Oh, right. <laughs> last week. She got nominated. That's how much I'm paying attention. <laughs> yeah, she got nominated for A Star is Born. She's kind of like we had Cher, then we had Madonna, and I kind of feel like we've got Gaga now. But it's funny. Like, there's so many. There's a couple of pop artists kind of like Gaga and also Lizzo that I follow that I don't really listen to their music, but I read their stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I look at their art. I um, love like their different presentations and I just don't tend to lean towards um, perkier music, but I've been surprised recently. Kind of that generational thing that you were talking about, going to events that aren't music specific, they're just, we're all, like we're all artists, like a burner event or a pagan event has mm -hmm. led me to find some really, really interesting stuff I would have never thought I would have enjoyed before and friends that range from five to like 95 again, which I really missed from growing up in a church. Mm -hmm. And I just have no need to be in that same culture again. Because not all churches are bad, but as a queer, genderqueer person, um, it was really hard growing up Southern Baptist in a um, place where I didn't even know what a, like what a black sheep was. I just knew I was one. Mm -hmm. I didn't know why, but everybody knew I was. And um, it's 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 
really neat to be able to find the things that you missed about stuff that wasn't necessarily good for you um, in ways that are healthy and good. Like having multi-generational friends in an environment, like you can get that really easily, like at a church, but you can also get it music, some community, music communities and some other spiritual communities and then places like Burns. Mm-hmm. So, and we're always striving to make all of, all of those spaces better and safer and frankly more fun. Because it's not just about everybody like feeling safe and protected and never being questioned. I'm not into that, but I am about people not um, being judged for silly things like what you think I am or what my perception of you is based on knowing somebody that looked like you once. Um, If that kind of makes sense. Yeah. It does. So if you had, if you could just get one message across, what, what would that be uh, with regards to the work that you're doing right now? Yes. Do your research. It is really important um, to look up things like why people use pronouns that might be different than what you assume um, or, you know, why if you don't understand what feminine feminism is, maybe take that, you know, take a gander. It's really important when you don't know what a word means, like genderqueer, to, to maybe Google it real quick um, and then ask maybe a clarifying question because something, and women have gotten this the most forever, like for millennia, of um, other people being expected to do their emotional labor. But now it's turned into other vulnerable communities. Like, well, like I get, what, what does being poor mean to you? Okay, why don't you look up what being poor means um, and what that actually, why, you know, I'm not running out to buy a latte. Um, and then we'll have a better understanding, like, of the things we have in common, maybe. That analogy was not super solid, but having a comprehension of basic concepts that are honestly good for you to know as a citizen of society or mm-hmm. just a member of society uh, makes it easier for you to find what you have in common with folks you might not have known you had anything in common with the yeah the amount of times that like it is so much more important to say thanks and move on when you make a mistake um, about someone it's like thank you for the correction and then move on and then do research if you need to rather than forcing emotional labor on folks all the time mm-hmm. um, and with consent culture, there's stuff that everyone should know in there. It doesn't matter if you're five or 95, to use that number analogy again, because it really is about, you know, self, self-expression, um, being able to, you know, have your own boundaries, being able to look at people for what they're doing and what they're saying, and not, again, what you assume they're going to be based on your perception. And that also leads to us having to a lot more time to focus on the good stuff and not on protecting people who've been assaulted and trying to help people heal who didn't know why they hurt someone in the first place and all the other things that, that are the very, very sad over here end of the spectrum. So the one message I would say is if you are curious about something, particularly like a subculture, particularly about things like consent culture, which should not be a subculture, about other people's genders, religions, whatever, do a little Googling first. Like do a little, do, do some research first, read something. If you don't know who's good, um, you can honestly Google best, 
folks to read on this subject. And as long as you're not getting the information from Fox News or um, one of the sites that's known to be anti-human rights, mm -hmm. then you're going to get a good source. And honestly, Teen Vogue. Like Teen Vogue has been leading the revolution almost for like the last five, six years. And so you can read almost any of their stuff on these subjects because they go to folks like me. Um, and I, I have not been quoted by Teen Vogue, but I have been quoted by Cosmo. Um, but they go to people who are actually in the middle of doing what they're doing and being who they are and not just a bunch of white people in some like office somewhere. So. Yeah. Yeah, everybody has the ability to do a little bit of research and not force emotional labor on people who are um, disenfranchised. And to some degree, most of us are, but some folks are more disenfranchised than you are, and some folks are disenfranchised in different ways. So mm -hmm. it's my place to learn about things like being anti-racist, and it's my place to sometimes teach about things like diversity inclusion, but it's all of our place to do the research on the stuff that we don't understand so that we're not forcing somebody who isn't getting paid to do that labor for us. And I didn't realize that would be a big deal, but it really is because, you know, women, queer folks, people of color, black folks are forced to do so much explaining of themselves just for existing. It gets exhausting. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who has the white privilege, um, of, you know, who has white privilege, who has like some age privilege, and who has the privilege of getting to talk with you in this venue, please just do a little bit of research. I do it. Um, and even for stuff on me, I still make mistakes sometimes. But having a base foundation of knowledge makes you so much more awesome to be around. And it makes society so much easier to be in. Yeah, I, lo I love that point. I'm glad you said that. Uh, and you mentioning Vogue, though, made me kind of my brain rebounding a little bit about, you know, uh, not that it's the responsibility, but at some point it's just necessary to have example out there for people who aren't going to do research until they get a spark of like, huh, I wonder, or, yeah. you know, so, so, like, uh, yeah, a spark of familiarity enough to to get past that barrier that a lot of people feel of other just, you know, which I think yeah. is biologically driven to some extent. And I think it's great that we now can, I think the internet has really opened it up where we can share such, such of our diversity so that we all start to see where we have commonality and, and, uh, I do, I do think, like, I love that you said what you said, because I think that's true of so many parts of society right now that we're at large not getting, like, to do a little research to really try to understand the other a little bit before we come in with, you're different from me, you know, so. Yeah, like, yeah. people forget, all of us are mammals. Mm -hmm. Like, we're all part of the same, like, you know, species of this type of human. And like, we, we forget. And yeah, it is a biological thing to, to like other folks from like back when we, you know, didn't know what diseases you might have or didn't know, and you know, like way back in the like, you know, caves and, and whatnot days. But in this day and age, like it's so, 
easy and important to do things like, well, I don't, I like, you know, if somebody sees RuPaul, you know, you can, pro, you know, you can Google drag queen because you know she's a drag queen. Um, and then you can see how even RuPaul has had to do some serious learning and growth on trans issues um, for the transgender community and society at large. Um, and like, just as an example of a gay celebrity that almost everybody knows is, you know, RuPaul. And she's done a lot of public growth recently. So if she can do that as a, you know, incredibly successful, incredibly beautiful, um, incredibly, I'm going to say successful again, um, performance, you know, performer, artist, producer, um, if RuPaul's willing to go through some, you know, some growth and is probably about to go through some more again, then like, you know, almost kind of any of us can, mm -hmm. and nobody's perfect. Um, and I always like to say that, particularly as somebody who uses they, their pronouns, I don't, I'm not perfect with my own pronouns. Like, um, nobody is perfect at everything. I have misspelled my own name. Like, so have you probably, if you think about it hard enough. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, nobody who's disenfranchised is asking for folks who are not disenfranchised in the same way to be perfect. We're asking for people to try and to see us as human people who are worthy of the same respect as you. And when folks, when disenfranchised folks are basically asking for that and people turn away with, no, I refuse, that is a thing I judge folks for, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's definitely something I want to, you know, get away from is people saying, looking at other humans and being like, no, you're not worth it. You're not, you're not worth my extra two seconds of thought to, you know, say, pronounce your name correctly or get your pronoun right or acknowledge that you exist because it would be inconvenient for me to see you. Um, Cause that's something a lot of folks do for, for houseless folks. So mm -hmm. I kind of, it all, it all ties back in. It all ties back in. And what most, what most of us are fighting for, um, that are on the that are on the side of like human rights um, is all of us being better at not doing crap like that and mm -hmm. being able to you know get past you know I have a house so I'm better than you I have this so I'm better than you I like this music so I'm better than you I eat or no like what we need to do is all of us just need to come together and overthrow our corporate our corporate overlords. But that's actually what I'm saying at the moment, more just do your research. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I want to be a corporate overlord pretty soon. So, I mean, to use the term very loosely. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, corporate overlord, know. you know, oil <laughs> companies, you know. Yeah, no, that's I mean, thing. yeah, I, overlord is probably, it's probably where it goes over the line for most of us. But um, yeah. Yeah, I love that you brought up imperfection too. That's a passion of mine. And I think it's so important um, to bring a certain lightness to both, to try, like to really try, and then to also be okay with get, like just move on, like you said, or be okay. Know that we're going to be imperfect because I think that stops people sometimes from even being willing to try a lot actually in so many avenues of life, including just being nice to each other. Cause maybe you're nice to somebody and you get, you don't get a smile back or you get something that makes you feel like you did it wrong. But if we just keep trying, then yeah. things keep getting better, you know? And like, and 
one of the things that I love um, about just the whole concept too is, yeah, sometimes you won't get a smile back. And A, nobody's due a smile. And B, some people don't have that connection. Some people literally don't have smile muscles available to them. Some people like me are um, somewhere on the spectrum. Some people, so like just even throwing out that when I'm nice to somebody, having it reflect, you know, having it reflected back is kind of part of, part of it. But the cool thing is though, is nine times out of 10, what happens when you are kind, it's reflected back. Yeah. It, it's appreciated. Um, sometimes I'm really bad at, I'm, sometimes I'm excellent at emoting and sometimes it's just really hard for me to access that. But I can usually still respond with like, I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't have a smile like available. And- well, and like you said, if we're not dependent on the response, on the response, it feels good to be nice, you know, like genuine, yeah. you try it, you'll find out. It feels good to try to be a good person. Yeah, kindness is so important. And we really have been trained to not, to not be kind unless it's going to be reciprocal. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that the point of, that you're making is that it doesn't have to be, of course it doesn't have to be. But uh, so many of us have been trained that it is, which mm-hmm. is why we have problems with folks who thinks that being nice to people means that they get relationship out of it or that they get intimacy out of it and that sort of thing. Like hum- humans, I would love for humans to not be treated like, um, you know, coin slots that like spit out um, either labor or, um, you know, affections or or, or the or the like. Um, it would just be, well, a lot of people have imagined what it would look like if we weren't you know, basically slaves to other people's labor. And when when they do, we get things like Star Trek and we get things like other, you know, sort of like fictional worlds where people are working on their art or they're cooking because they love it or they're, you know, building because they love it and not having to feel like they're slaving away somewhere or other. Mm-hmm. That's That would be the dream to actually be able to make a living an actual comfortable living um doing something useful and that you're passionate about not like calling people and telling them that you owe they owe some corporation money right yeah yeah that makes me want to ask you my my three wishes question if if a fairy godmother just whisked in the room right now and gave you three wishes one for you personally and one for your community and one for the world at large, what would those be today? Oh, wow. I'm like, if I, can I do it in reverse? Sure, of course. <laughs> I, I honestly think that um, assumptions don't really have a place. Um, I don't think that they're super useful. So if, um, not, not intuition and whatnot, but like assumptions, like you have long hair, therefore you're a insert whatever. So kind of across the board, I think that if it couldn't be forever, even if it could be temporary, I would ask that everybody have be able to spend some significant time without assumptions um, of other people um, with having to, you know, actually like interact to know somebody's personality as opposed to assuming Oh, like you've got a very pretty name. You must be a very pretty lady. No, like we're not going to have assumptions. I'm going to have to actually look at your podcast to have an idea. Mm -hmm. I would love, even if it was for a short time, and I would prefer it to be a long time, 
um, us all to be able to live without assumptions for a bit and just see how that drastically changes, obviously our perceptions, but how we would treat other folks. Like see somebody on the street who's sitting down and not assume that there's something wrong with them, but you know, just be like, huh. And maybe they're, you know, just interaction in a completely different way, not be like, that's a drug addict. You have no idea if that's a drug addict. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so no assumptions would probably be that. For for the community, oh my goodness, I have dreamt for so long of having, um, and this is somewhat similar to Felicia's um, idea, which I love that it's this, that, that it's similar. Being able to, I was lusting after the Albuquerque High Building, the old Albuquerque High Building before it got bought up years ago, and then like a church where we can actually home folks um, that are that are doing that that are that are wanting to devote their time and energy to like the arts, some sort of community project, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So they don't have to go work at a call center for 60 hours a week. So they don't have to go do manual hour labor for 60 hours a week, but actually, you know, put some of that time into maintaining the space, but then creating the things. That's what I would want for here. And how that would look, it kind of depends. But if I really, if I really could just buy a complex and start taking, you know, applications, I, that would be amazing. Would that include living, like living and art space? I would, I would love it to include living. And there are folks that do similar things to this. Mm -hmm. um, the Effing Foundation for Sex Positivity gives grants um, to folks who are working on sex positive um, projects. And they, they actually, you know, in a small way did that for me because I was, I was given a grant in the last cycle for my work towards supporting the financially disenfranchised in a culture of consent. And so like that little stipend has given me internet. Like we couldn't have done this six months ago. I didn't have a computer, I didn't have internet. Um, but it, it locally here for the community, it would be here's where you can have a studio or here's where you live and here's your work studio. And those there'd be amenities, like you'd be able to shower you'd be able to have like a little bit of privacy and then you'd be able to be in this place that is just built for creating and mm -hmm. for um in, in, a, in as safe as a possible environment and of course if it's my fairy godmother i'm going to ask for this to be bankrolled by um you know somebody that could give us um everything we would need to make it happen and you know i do believe in fairy godmothers i have one She's not supernatural, but there's a lot of stuff in this room because of her. So that's what I would want for the community. And I would absolutely want to have like different branches of how that would work. But being able to literally support um, creative folks and folks that are, you know, making things better um, would be something I think Albuquerque could really benefit from because we are such, we're really low income. Um, and it's easy to be poor here than it is other places, easier to be poor here than a lot of other places. But, you know, I need several thousand dollars worth of dental work. And that's why I'm not, you know, I would like to be able to tell, and you know, this, you know, the DJ that has been creating completely amazing mixes that they don't have to decide to sell their equipment or get a filling. Yeah. Yeah. And then, though the personal one i bet if i hadn't mentioned it i could have gotten away without it what was re rephrase it one more or tell me tell me it one more time so i can make sure i understand 
one of your three wishes needs to be for for you, person, for you personally. Okay. Probably, quite frankly, I would like to be stable enough um, financially um, that I can manage my stuff in such a way that I could still like support other artists. Um, not having a lot of stability, you know, month to month means that there are times that, you know, my dental work doesn't get taken care of. My other health stuff doesn't get taken care of. Um, you know, when my car breaks down, I lose out on work, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And that stuff's distracting. And mm -hmm. it would be really neat if I was one of the people that could benefit from that second wish. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, personally, even just having heck, um, I've got I've got someone that sends that I've got a patron that gives me fifty dollars a month, and that has made me it put at least five hours a month into my art. And there have been months there was no other way I could have done that without that fifty dollars. Mm -hmm. So if I could even if I could have five hundred dollars a month, which is fifty dollars um, more than my rent, and still be able to work, I would be able to do so much more for so many more people. Um, and also let my anxiety be focused on things that I could probably be more useful with than, you know, is one of, is my arthritis going to get so bad? I'm not going to be able to whatever, or can I afford my pills? Like not having those questions would let, I just think it would, I just think I might be able I want this. I want that for everyone, though. I mean, I really don't understand why we don't have universal health care. Yeah. Like universal, like not just, you know, I'm not not even being United States political right now, but like things like universal health care and like un universal wage, like it just baffles me because mm -hmm. humanity has enough and we're choosing to let people die rather than share. So I would like to be one of the people that benefits from not having to worry about yes. those things you said the word security i, li I like that because yeah i think humans deserve deserve some basic sense of security in this day and age that we have so many options so, so many options mm -hmm. so yeah that that's more than anything else personally um i would like to benefit from from that universal type of care and not i don't necessarily need thousands and thousands and thousands i would like to not have to be scared every month about whether or not I'm, I'm going to have a home or whether or not I'm going to have to borrow or beg. Um, stealing is not personally an option for me, but right. yeah, that would be, that'd be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, not, nothing I can think of. And for, for as, many diatribes as I had, I, I didn't super like seriously prepare, but I, I do want to thank you for the opportunity to talk about the projects that are active right now, like Shadow Night at Thirsty Eye and Vaudeville Review, which is with Cabaret Audacity. I can't believe I didn't mention my cabaret's name, Cabaret Audacity. We're on Facebook. Um, and also like my, my art stuff, like being able to be given a platform is something I'm really grateful for. And I'm looking forward to seeing this launch for you and have that like positivity, you know, be so much more loud out there in the ether. So thank you for that. And thank you for including me in your project. 
Well, thank you. I really appreciate your energy and uh, you being a part of my my launching into the unknown. And I, uh, yeah, I I want to be a platform for voices like you and me. And and uh, yeah, I I love the similarities in the dreams that are coming through so far as I talk to people, which is a lot about unity and community building and, and um, we need it. all being more human together. So that excites yeah. me. Yeah, I think we're getting ready. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Well, I did not prepare my, I sometimes have a little short list. I will ask you if you were a hat, what kind of hat would you be? Jaunty. A jaunty. Tell me more. Oh, um, I, I, I am. At, I love hats. Uh-huh. Um, so as I look over here, um, I've got a top hat, a coachman's hat, uh, fedora. So I would, I would, I would definitely just be a jaunty hat, like one that that's like peaked a little bit off to the side and just slightly too fabulous for the occasion. Uh-huh. Understated. Nice. But probably my signature is I wear a lot of top hats. Nice. Or you yeah. do, but yeah. I would be a jaunty hat. Nice. I love it. I love it. It's becoming one of my favorite questions. I'm, uh, you know, exploring what kind of questions I like to ask people. So thank you very much again for joining me. And I do hope we get to do this again in the future as this evolves. And uh, um, tell us again where we can find you, where we should look you up, what we should look into that you're into. Excellent. Thank you. So my, my website is not interesting right now. So I'm going to send you to the other ones on Instagram. I'm the Julian Wolf. Um, and there's only an E and the, um, on Twitter. I'm, I think I'm just Julian Wolf. I might be the Julian Wolf. And then on Facebook, um, Julian Adams Wolf is my page for all of the general production stuff. Um, I didn't mention this, but I'm also a tarot reader. Um, I'm, I'm in do intuitive divination, not just from Abatha's um, apothecary and metaphysical, but also from my pop-up shop. And so that's um, Adam's Wolf um, mm-hmm. for Adam's Wolf Divination. So facebook.com backslash Adam's Wolf. Um, Cabre Audacity is spelled just like that. The two words Cabre Audacity also on Facebook as Cabre Audacity. And um and then I'm usually, and yeah, Adams is with, is with two D's. So it's Julian, like a boy's name, Adams, like the family mm-hmm. and Wolf, like, nice. I'm super Googleable. <laughs> Googleable. I love it. Yes. You can, you can find articles I've written, apparently a couple of videos, which surprised me last time I told somebody to look for an article. They told me they learned my dance moves and I was like, what? Wow, now we have something to go look for immediately. Dance moves inside. <laughs> but uh but yeah, there's um though that's that's really how you can find me. It's pretty easy. And I read tarot on Wednesdays at Abathas every week. And then I'll be at Thirsty Eye the fourth Thursdays of every month, um, for Shadow Night. And and then I'm around and I'm bookable and I'm really excited to work on stuff I care about. So Awesome. Well, I look forward to getting to know you more. I have a feeling we'll be running into each other. It's I'm bummed that I missed uh, Felicia's event, but I know she'll be doing more more awesome stuff. So, yeah. and the the cake line will be coming to the Vaudeville Review on February 29th at Thirsty Eye Brewing Company. So you know it's entertainment for the living. Yeah. So bring bring your folks out and bring dollars for the tip goals because that's how we pay our performers there. So excellent, excellent. Thank you again, Julian. It's been quite a pleasure and I look forward to the next time. I'm going to hit the uh, unrecord button here. Great.
That wraps up my interview with the lovely, talented, and articulate Julian Wolf. I hope you'll check out some of the cool art, events, and spaces that they are promoting, including tarot readings and other forms of intuitive divination. You can find Julian on Facebook or Instagram as the Julian Wolf or Julian Adams Wolf. As they said, that's Adams with two D's, like the family, and Wolf with a howl for effect. I appreciate your attention today, and I welcome your questions, comments, and suggestions. You can find me on Facebook as well, or you can contact me through most other social media platforms. Also, you can purchase my books and music on Amazon, my t-shirts on Teespring, and you can find my courses, artwork, and information about my current projects at www.angellily.com. You can also learn more about the Authentic Action School online at www.authenticactionschool.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to play every day and drive forward.